You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Six seventy, the scores, hockey guy Jay Zawaski. Two more, Hawks win, Hawks win again. Chris Chelios in overtime. Part of Blue Wire Podcasts. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the tanks. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Falling back, circle drives, get it from The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Sins In Law Group. Let's drop the puck. Hello, friends and well wishers. This is indeed a new edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Nabeau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one, the only podcast overlord at WBBM. <laughs> it is Jay Zawaski. Also of the I'm Pat podcast. Have to go ahead and mention that as well. Jay, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I feel like we haven't talked in a long time uh, because we haven't. But there just has not been a ton, hockey-wise, going on with the Blackhawks. So there just hasn't been much to talk about. So I'm glad we got to do this one. We've got some hockey stuff to talk about. We've got some other stuff to talk about, as always. So welcome in. Thanks for joining us, as always. You can follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod. We're on Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. Send us an email madhousepod at gmail.com or on patreon if that sort of thing interests you patreon.com slash madhousepod and we've got our t public shop selling all of our merch big sale coming up next week the 22nd through the 27th 13 dollar classic tees up to 35 percent off everything else so don't miss that sale at our t public shop the link is in our bio and it's very important that when you shop at t public for anything that you use our link so we get the credit for the sale, which we would greatly appreciate. But we got some cool designs, got our classic Madhouse logo. We got an alternate logo and some cool other sort of ideas in there as well. They come in every style, every color you can imagine. Everything is totally customizable. So take advantage of that sale starting on September 22nd. So got a little bit of news today in the Hawks world. I know we knew this was sort of coming up, but now it's official. The Tom Curver's prospect showcase is happening this weekend in minnesota the blackhawks in the wild will be competing in two games the first game friday at 7 p.m the second game sunday at 1 p.m all those games will be streamed on the wilds uh youtube channel so you can watch it there if you, if you so prefer but there's some pretty decent names in here and some actual blackhawks hockey to watch yes and a couple of guys who actually made their NHL debuts last season and will be taking to the ice. I know we didn't get the usual prospect camp this year to kind of go crazy over and to discuss, but we will actually get to see some pretty uh, intriguing names, I would say, going to be taking the ice in this tournament. I uh, don't want to keep you in suspense too much longer. <laughs> the two players with NHL experience that will be playing in this are Mike Hardman and Alec Regula. We'll both be in the tournament. Uh, this year's first-round pick, Nolan Allen, will be playing, as will last year's first-round pick, Lucas Reichel. He'll also be there. Uh, Colton Dock also going to be there. Second-round pick this year, Evan Barrett's going to be there, a guy that I know I've got really high hopes for with the Blackhawks. Um, Jakob Galvis will be there, as will Jakob Poor. 
man, lots of Jacobs on this team. And then Josiah Slavin will also be there along with Michael Tepley, who does exist. We have found out that it, he <laughs> confirmed does exist. He will be playing in that tournament. Lots of interesting uh, kind of guys to uh, keep an eye on. And it all starts 7 o'clock Friday night. Cannot wait for puck drop. And I'm being completely serious. I am really excited for just a little taste, a little dose of Blackhawks hockey. Yeah, I am totally excited. And we are actually, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, which the odds are you probably are since we published this late on Tuesday night, the Hawks have a game Two weeks from tonight. That is correct. They play on September 29th. They host the Red Wings. That is soon. Hockey like <laughs> hockey season is close. And while I said when we started the show, like we haven't had much to talk about. Very soon, we're going to have a ton to talk about. And for all the podcasts, you know, the gaps we've had, we're going to be making up for it this season. I know I'm starting that new job, but it doesn't mean the podcast is going to suffer at all. So we're still going to be there for you 100% of the way. So, yeah. A lot of the names on here, I'm excited to see. Obviously, I want to see Colton Doc. Obviously, I want to see Lucas Reichel. Slavin has my attention probably just because of his brother, because of the bloodline. I want to see him play. He's 22. The only thing that's a little bit like, if this was last year, maybe be a little more exciting. There's so few roster spots available this year. I really think there's only one guy, maybe two, in this tournament that can actually really have a significant impact on the season. I think Lucas Reichel has a real shot. And Mike Hardman, who you already mentioned, had some NHL time last year. I think he played eight games last year. I'm sure he'll get in now and again when injuries pop up and things like that. But everyone else, I'd be shocked if anybody else in this tournament makes it in the NHL this year. I do Even think Regula. Regula, I about to say, I think Regula kind of fits in that camp too, just because of how many moves the Blackhawks ended up making in the offseason on the defensive side of things. So nice to get a little dose of him last season. Maybe kind of an injury call-up situation, kind of like you alluded to with Hardman. I think that that could potentially be part of it. I think Barrett still eventually gets a look as a third or a fourth line forward unless he just absolutely explodes in Rockford this season. But, yeah, there is really – there's no room at the end right now, man. There are so many veterans on this team, and this team has worked so hard in the offseason to kind of improve its depth in those areas that otherwise they may have brought some young guys up in. So this is going to be a really good opportunity for those players to make an impression, not just on, obviously, Blackhawks brass, but also on – Derek King, who's going to be coaching a lot of these guys in Rockford this season. And, you know, he might be looking for guys to kind of give some extended ice time to. So definitely a great audition opportunity for these guys. Yeah. And, and you're right. There are a lot of veterans in here, but you've got, you know, Kurashev is 21. He's younger than Evan Barrett. Kirby Doc is younger than Evan Barrett. You've got Gaudette and Borgstrom fighting for a roster spot. They're 24. Hagel, he's in, but he's 23. I mean, Alex Nylander is a baby, too. Nylander's only 23 as well. So there's a lot of young guys that are NHL veterans, you know, for aside from Borgstrom, guys that have played a, uh, more than a handful of NHL games, but it's a young team. And I'm really excited to watch this tournament. I'm more excited, though, about the preseason getting started. I, Dude, I cannot wait. I am just yeah. so hungry for hockey. And I know it was a shorter offseason, but I think just the excitement of all the new moves and the big names being brought in, wanting to see Seth Jones play, wanting to see Marc-Andre Fleury. And look, if you're however you feel about the Seth Jones trade and the Seth Jones contract, you have to be excited that Seth Jones is on the Blackhawks. Like that, he, I mean, yeah, yeah duh. I mean, I, I hope that people are not letting, you know, the stats wonks and the salary cap ruin the joy of bringing in a really awesome hockey player in his prime 26 years old who's gonna probably be you know maybe the next captain of this team so I don't know man I, I'm excited about all of it and I'm gonna be locked and loaded on this prospect tournament this weekend but I, I really do Evan Barrett I know has been your guy for a long time and I want to yeah. see what he's got because this is starting to feel like his last chance 22 yeah, is does. 22 is not young for a prospect. 
You know, I mean, it doesn't mean he's. It's du- not awfully old for no. kind of not a first round talent, obviously. Um, kind of like a mid round guy. It's not the end of the road necessarily, especially if they get some uh, trades or some uh, retirements in the off season, whatever they end up doing after kind of reloading for this year. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He just has to kind of make the most of his auditions, right? Like that's kind of the takeaway that I'm getting from some of this. Look, every year. There are there is a player or two that no one really expects to make an impact, and they do. I think Brandon Hagel is probably that name from last year, right? Where you said, "Okay, this is a guy on Sam Bowman's famous fourth line farm, and he's interchangeable with um, what was the other guy they traded? Matthew Highmore, right? Yep. Like they're all sort of the same thing." And remember, Hagel did not start the season with the Hawks. I think he got in game two, game three, and immediately made himself unbenchable. Who knows who that guy is going to be this year? I don't know. There's just not as many opportunities this year as there were last year. So these kids, whoever they are, be it Lucas Reichel, who's probably got the best shot of making the NHL team, uh, be it Evan Baird, whoever, they're going to have to make their impressions quickly and with emphasis to have a chance. And I want to point out, too, Reichel has been like doing a lot of Blackhawks offseason, like promotional things. He's in town. He's getting to know the city. It feels like Lucas Reichel is doing everything he can to ingrain himself with the organization and with the city. So I don't know if he's got a sort of tip that he's like, look, it's your job to lose. But they're treating him like a rostered player. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but he's involved in all these sort of community things I've seen. And they gave they also gave him number 27, which I think is, I don't know. It, it kind of tells you that they, they see him as someone who's going to make an impact sooner than later. Yeah, they obviously they gave him the Adam Boquist Memorial number uh, 27 there. Uh, speaking of marketing, I did want to mention one other thing about that. Did you notice the player that they used to kind of uh, tease that single game tickets went on sale today? Um, I saw Colton Doc paint the ice. Is that what you're uh, talking about? No, actually, they they announced today that obviously single game tickets went on sale. They posted a I don't know if it was a photo or a GIF. It was some guy named Jonathan Taves who is apparently skating with the team based on what Colby Cohen said about uh, some captain's practices that have been going on. Uh, he said Taves looks really good. So, And Taves was at the um, golf event that the Blackhawks had. He looked tanned, rested, ready to go. I'm really getting the sense they're planning whatever they say. They're planning on having Jonathan Taves out on the ice the you know when the puck drops. And if that's the case, man, that is just such a big boost to know that he's apparently going to be back in the mix. Yeah, that's exciting. That's really exciting. And they've also announced if you're looking waiting to buy tickets, their promotional events, the one cane celebration, that's the one thousandth goal, will happen on October twenty first. Yep. Uh, I'm, there's Native American Heritage Night on November 7th, which is interesting. I want to see how that's they, gonna be cool. How they do that. I'm kind of scrolling through because I could not find the graphic I saw. So January 13th, Andrew Shaw Legacy Night. Yep. Brent Seabrook Legacy Night on January 31st. March 3rd, Nicholas Jalmerson Nick Heritage Jalmerson, Night. baby. That might be the one. That might be the one. And then another one that could be really cool. April 14th. Pat Foley celebration. Hmm. So, you know, remember, this is his last year. It's something we haven't talked a lot about, and I'm sure we'll get into it a lot uh, as the season comes. But uh, those are your promotional dates. Obviously, you can find all that info on the Hawks website. Um, But, man, the season is so close, and I can't wait. And I'm kind of itching to buy. I just got to get to a hockey game, man. I still don't know how I'm going to feel about being in the UC, I don't know what their vaccine policy is going to be. If they're going to do the uh, the United set, the United oh, Center yes, for both Bulls and Blackhawks is going to do proof of vaccination or proof of negative COVID test. That's right. I completely forgot about that news story. That's right. So yeah, uh, vac- proof of vax or negative COVID test within what is it? Forty eight hours? Is that what they? That's kind I of get, been the I standard. Think that's ac- yeah, it's either forty eight or seventy two. That's usually what they do. All right, I feel good. I'm actually going to see the dead Friday at Wrigley. And it's my first like concert concert. I went and saw Willie Nelson at Ravinia a couple weeks ago, but Ravinia is kind of like you can be as alone as you want, right? Like right. you can find your space at Wrigley Field. It's going to be a little different. So this is my first like true big crowd experience. 
Uh, it's going to be outside, which is fine. I'm just kind of like, ooh, what's that? It's going to feel strange, I think. The uh, Green Day show did not have proof of vax or anything like that when they were at Wrigley last month, and it was it was a little odd being back in a super crowded place, you know, for the first time uh, since the pandemic. I had been to a couple of baseball games, but attendance was kind of limited mm-hmm. in those spaces. But this time was obviously full bore, and it was very interesting, and it was a I'll admit a little unnerving trying to stand in uh, merchandise lines at Wrigley Field, but I'm sure there'll be fewer people, I'm sure, at the United Center. It's going to be a little bit of a different experience, and then with those uh, proofs in place, I think that I'm going to feel uh, pretty safe and pretty, I think, normal about the whole thing. It's pretty rare that at the United Center I feel really crowded in. It's I'm, not like Joe Louis Arena was, for God's sake. No, but like you know, aside from... If you're entering the building right when the game is about to start, it's going to be crowded. If you don't wait a little bit to leave, it's going to be crowded. But for the most part, you can kind of avoid big clusters of people, aside from obviously being in your seats. Um, you know, you can you can kind of avoid like getting caught up in a crowd at the United Center. So I don't know. It's going to be kind of like a game time decision thing for me. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be tough for me to buy tickets early in the season, not knowing kind of where we're going to be. I don't know. I'm wondering if Hawks fans are having similar cold feet or if if they're they're just like, screw it, I'm vaccinated or I'll get a test and I'm going. I don't even care I'm going because I miss hockey that much. I think my mentality is that I'm pretty uncomfortable with whatever uh, mitigations they want to put in place. If they say that they want everybody to mask up, if obviously the proof of vaccine or negative test, that kind of stuff to me makes me feel more comfortable and more confident in doing that. So I obviously I can't speak for you or for any other Blackhawks fan, but that's kind of where I'm at. Like we got vaccinated for a reason and it was to kind of get back towards a more normal uh, society. So I think that's kind of the attitude that I've carried into some of these things. No doubt. And that's, that's probably how I'll feel too. I think this thing Friday, this dead show is really going to be like a litmus test for me, right? Like, okay, (laughs) how do I feel? You know, here I am at Wrigley with a bunch of people who are going to be under the influence of something. Uh, It's a dead show after all. It's got to be one or the other, right? So (laughs) I don't know. It's going to be an interesting experience, but I'm really excited to just get back out and be with people enjoying stuff. Like I need that humanity. I miss like the massive humanity experience that comes with concerts and games and Everyone kind of excited about the same thing. So this should be awesome. By the way, I want to tell you about our friend Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. If you missed our episode with him a while back, uh, sort of evaluating the Blackhawks uh, Brad Aldridge situation, make sure you listen to that one. It still holds up, even though there's some new information, which we're going to get to here in a little bit. But Kent opened his own law firm over 20 years ago after over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney. Now... He specializes in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents, slip and fall cases, hazardous drugs or products, uh, negligence, birth birth injuries, all the sort of horrible things that can happen to you because of someone's negligence. Kent will help you out. And his firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. Kent Simpson and his law group charge no fees unless they win for you. So call for a free consultation. 312 Three three two two one zero seven, or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. Call now. That's the SinsonLawGroup.com. That's S-I-N-S-O-N LawGroup.com. I mentioned the Brad Alder situation. If you missed it, on Friday, the Hawks uh, sent a few more documents of dismissal Uh on this case. And I think the difference here, and I want to direct you all to Ben Pope with the sun times and Mark Lazarus and Scott powers with the athletic who have done a terrific job covering this from start to finish. They've got the latest updates that you're need to know. I'm not going to read this entire thing to you on the podcast. Nobody wants that, but what I'm finding kind of, I don't know, it's ringing kind of hollow for me, like in the reports, and in these uh, arguments, you're saying like, while we agree that what happened to John Doe, whatever, was really, really bad, and and it's it's a it's against the core of what we believe in. Legally, we don't really have a responsibility here. Mm. It's kind of like, well, technically, they're probably right, but do something to make it right, right? I I just 
like, like I've said from the beginning, James, I just have a feeling that this is going to end in a very unsatisfying way. And I'm going to do my best to like not forget it's as I'm talking about buying Hawks tickets, right? I, I literally just did that a moment ago. I, I'm just trying to not forget that this, these horrible things happened on their watch and whoever's to blame, whatever, but it happened on their watch. And I, I'm just so afraid that it's just going to get brushed away and, and I'll be guilty. I'm pointing the thumb. I'm going to yeah. be guilty of forgetting about it too. And I'm damn it. I'm going to do my best to not. I've already steeled myself for that outcome that's not going to satisfy anybody and, in fact, is going to infuriate and even potentially alienate parts of the fan base. I think that we have plenty of experience with that in other uh, situations with the Blackhawks. I think yep. that um, it, I think that's just been basically inevitable since they announced that they would be the ones handling the investigation. We obviously don't need to uh, tread down that trail again. You all know how we feel about uh, the Blackhawks kind of steering the ship on that, but I will say that I agree with everything you said about this uh, outcome of this investigation just being completely unsatisfactory. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for there to not be as many people held accountable as you know I would probably want there to be. I think that a lot of people knew about this, and as I've said a million times anybody that knew about this and was involved in not reporting it to the proper authorities and not moving it up the food chain whatever it is all of those people if they're still with the organization need to be fired no questions asked this was a huge dereliction of duty this was falling down on the job this was every negative adjective that you can come up with every negative phrase you can come up with and I'm just, I'm ready for it, man. I'm just, these motions to dismiss have just been basically showing me that they want this to go away as soon as possible. They probably would rather it go away without admitting any type of guilt or paying out any type of settlements. I just think that that's going to be the most likely outcome of this whole thing. And it's, uh, it's really tough to know that that's going to be the way that this is going to end. But like you just I'm never going to forget it, man. And I don't think any other Blackhawks fan should either. And the last thing I will say again, if this is what kind of drives you away from the Blackhawks, I'm not I ain't stopping nobody. Everybody needs to kind of come to grips with how they feel about it and how they feel about proceeding forward. And if you want to continue rooting for the team, great. If not, I completely understand. Everybody needs to kind of be given their own space with this thing. Yeah, and we have not been on since the Blackhawks announced their organizational changes. And um, you saw Jay Blunk moved on. I'm told that that was not related to this investigation. He uh, had something in mind, and he was on the way out anyway. Um, Pete Hassan, who was with the Hawks forever, he was their VP of marketing. He was with the Hawks for 16 years. He left earlier this offseason. Marie Sutera, who was their VP of human resources, uh, she was with them for 13 years. She has left the organization and the one person named prominently in the lawsuit, James Gary, who was the mental skills coach, he, uh, according to a source, retired from his Blackhawks position after last season. So those are the four names that are gone so far. James Gary, Marie Sutera, Pete Hassan, and Jay Blunk. Uh, the only one, again, involved in, that, uh, in those lawsuits is James Gary, and he retired at the end of last season. So we'll see what comes of this. Um, you know, it was what changed in this thing for me, James, was look, I, I don't have any affection for the front office, right? I don't care about John McDonough. I don't know anything about James Gary. Uh, even Stan Bowman, I'm like, okay, he's the GM. I don't, whatever. When I hear the stories of the victim being bullied and called homophobic slurs by his teammates, that is what is really, really hurtful as a Hawks fan to hear. Because, and I've said this before, it's nothing new, but year after year, season after season, we heard about the leadership on this team. And, oh, the Blackhawks have Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, some of the most respected guys in the game. Well, guess what? Those comments happened on their watch. And to me, it sort of sullies the legacy. And maybe I'll get over that eventually, and I don't know. But it's just now when I hear... One of the greatest captains in hockey, Jonathan Taves. It's hard to not roll my eyes because that sort of thing happened on his watch. And it's frustrating. And uh, it honestly, like the same thing about Q. There's no way Q didn't know about that going on. It's just I know it's hockey culture. And I know hockey culture needs to change. 
Um, but it's just, it's frustrating and it's really hard. I think, you know, for me, it was sort of, okay, I can separate front office. They didn't know, or they knew, but they, you know, I don't really, it's not the players. The players are the ones I have affection for with this information in there. It makes it really, really a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of that, we're never going to quite know who knew what knew, who knew exactly what I should say, who behaved in what way, whether it's a settlement or a dismissal or whatever it is, it seems unlikely we're going to get a bunch of players under oath and on public record about what happened. I'm sure the media will ask the players about it. I'm sure we're going to be dissatisfied with the answers that they give. Yeah. I mean, that does kind of impact everybody's legacy. It does seem like, and, uh, Ugh, it's really tough, man. It's really tough to kind of square all that with the excitement that we feel about the uh, coming season, man. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to some fun stuff, shall we? Let's take Please. a quick. Let's take a quick time out. We come back. We're going to share with you the updates on the Turner Sports uh, broadcast teams for this upcoming season. Remember, hockey now on ESPN and Turner, no longer on NBC. I want to get your thoughts, James, on the new Winter Classic jerseys that debuted. And then we're going to talk also about uh, some Blackhawks news from the golf outing that just happened. Uh, some interesting photos coming from there. Nothing bad. Mostly good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as I know, uh, some interesting photos and stuff to talk about. So hang on. We'll be right back with a lot more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We have talked about actual real-life hockey that will yes. be played on ice on Friday night. Blackhawks prospects in action up in Minnesota. You can watch it on YouTube. Do it. We're going to do it. You should do it, too. We also talked about the latest in the Brad Aldrich uh, situation with the Blackhawks. And, uh, yeah, we've talked quite a bit of hockey so far and the big – Big league-wide announcements now are what we're going to kind of get into. Jay, what do you want to start with? You want to start with uh, Turner Sports? Do you want to start with uh, the Winter Classic? What's your What's your uh, cup of tea here? Well, let's do the jerseys real quick because I think that those are interesting. Uh, I saw the Wild jerseys debut. Like I think it was like early last week. I love them. Mm. I know I might be like I know overall it's been like a positive review overall but there's some people that are like ill these might be my favorite winter classic jerseys yet i just love how old school they look with the mpls st paul and this and the you know the outline of state of minnesota in the middle the green with the white and red stripes man it is beautiful it's a great green i i'm just so tired the the, the wilds like weird bear logo just <laughs> it's so dated they need to they need to update that logo it's really like it looks very early 2000s, 90s. They need to do something new. Uh, and I love the classic look of these sweaters. They're awesome. And then they've got like the what looks to be like old leather gloves and pants. Like it's just a tan color. They look great. The blues, on the other hand, they're not terrible, but they're just not like interesting. They're kind of a creamy, like a dirty white Mm-hmm. with there, I guess if you would say like the ones they wore um, in the last winter classic they were in, if you made those whites, that's like kind of what they are, right? Like there's not a ton different. Like the ones yeah, they I'd wore say that's the essential. I'd, I'd essentially say the same thing. I think the thing with the wild is they don't really have a large catalog to kind of draw back on. And so I think they kind of have license to be a little bit more creative. I feel like the blues kind of feel like they have to kind of pay homage to their like tradition and their history that's kind of the vibe that i'm getting and i think that's probably why uh you really like the minnesota wild is because it's obviously something that's uh fresh and it's definitely not something that they've done before do you think that's a fair theory i just think it looks really really old school like the fact that they just abbreviate minneapolis like mpls yeah. with a period that's so like you know, back in the day, like in the twenties, like the the stitchers were like, "Yeah, we're not going to put Minneapolis on there. We're going to appreciate sure. that. We can't afford that sort of fabric, and we don't have that sort of time." I just, I don't know. I just think it just looks so what the Winter Classic is supposed to look like. 
Very I know that I know the Timberwolves have done the MPLS before, and I do think that's a really good idea. Yeah, I, I'm not saying I hate the Blues ones. They're just kind of I don't know. They're just kind of underwhelming. Eh. There's only one thing about the Wild jerseys that I don't like. Can you guess what it is? I'm gonna say the collar. I'm okay with the collar. I think the striping above MPLS is kind of odd. It's almost it almost like makes the jersey top look a little bit boxy. Okay. I like this. I do like the striping on the the sleeves. I know that a lot of people did not like that there were two sets of stripes on each sleeve. I actually kind of like that. It looks very distinctive and it looks kind of unique. The the stripe across the middle of the or the top of the jersey just looks a little bit weird to me. Other than that. Really dig them. I'm I'm gonna say they're definitely top probably three or four of the Winter Classic looks. I really did like the Penguins uh, powder blue look from the first Winter Classic. Yeah, massive fan of the Blackhawks and the Winter Classic at, at Wrigley Field. I thought those were really good jerseys. Uh, I think yeah, I mean, the Wild probably falling around that area. I'm guessing after those two, I think that's probably about where I've got them at. I'm looking at the blues. Um, I'm looking at Ryan O'Reilly, like in the full uniform. And I think I like it better in full than in like, here's like just the Jersey. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're going to do. If you haven't seen these yet, go to Twitter and follow Madhouse pod. And then you'll see there's the tweet that promotes this podcast, this episode. And then attached to that tweet will be a companion tweet with photos of Jared Spurgeon in the wild Jersey and Ryan O'Reilly in this blues Jersey. And you can judge for yourself, but uh, overall, I, I like them both, and I think this game's gonna be very visually appealing uh, on the ice. Like there, were, like there are so many NFL games like that this weekend. Yep, like the Chiefs and Browns, like just looked awesome, and oh man, like the Raiders and Ravens look great. Mm-hmm. And anytime the Buffalo Bills play, it looks good. <laughs> God, yeah, just, absolutely, God. Yeah. By the way, best NFL uniform set in my humble opinion, the mm-hmm. LA Chargers, man. Oh, God, yeah. I love God. I love the Chargers uniform so much. Speaking of logos, you mentioned the wild logo a little bit earlier. Did you see Jay Fresh Hockey did a fan poll of the best logo in the NHL? Do you care to take a guess on which logo the fans chose? Well, because you're saying so, I'm going to say they like the wild one. The Minnesota Wild finished in a tie for sixth with the Seattle Kraken. It took me like five years to realize it was a bear. <laughs> I thought it was some kind of wild cat. Like it looks more cat like than bear like. Is it? Was this kind of like a thing where you didn't realize there was an arrow in FedEx's logo? What? No, I'm kidding. I know that's. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's. A, hey, guess what? In the Fry the Coop logo, there's a chicken. Did you know that? Oh, so we're moving. We're going to steer away from NHL logo talk for a minute. You have to promise we can come back to this. I have to tell you who has the best logo, but please tell me who has the best Nashville hot chicken first. I just did. Fry the Coop, Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, Tinley Park. I had a medical consultation last Wednesday right there. So I went to Fry the Coop uh, for lunch to celebrate when I was done. And God, it was amazing. Being the first thing I ate all day, probably not the best idea. But worth it. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it was worth the the uh, gastro di- uh, discomfort I experienced uh, later in the day. But totally worth it. The best damn hot chicken on the planet, and I mean that. I've tried all the great places in Nashville, and they're wonderful. I think Fry the Coop's better than all of them. I get the tenders. They've got the chicken sandwich, the donut chicken sandwich. Make sure when you go to Fry the Coop, you ask for that honey butter, because it doesn't come with everything. Make sure you ask for that honey butter. It is in. Incredible. Go to frythecoop.com. You can place your order online. Go pick it up very easily. They're open for dine-in as well. If you dine in, they've got a great craft beer selection. You're going to love Fry the Coop. Every now and again, we get a tweet like, dude, I'm trying Fry the Coop for the first time, and it's awesome. Yes, I know. We've been telling you that for several years now. <laughs> Fry the, we're not just saying that. Fry the Coop is tremendous. You'll love it. Frythecoop.com. Again, Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. Before we get back to logos, you said um, that you love the uh, football uniforms of what team did you say? Why am I blanking already? The uh, L.A. Chargers. L.A. Chargers, duh. Uh, to me, the best are the Dallas Cowboys white jerseys. Very, that's a good call. And the Raiders. I, I think that, by say, the Oakland Raiders black jerseys look so freaking cool. Dude. They all look, both Raiders jerseys look great. But And yep. I also think 
even though I associate it with getting our asses kicked and humiliated, I really think the Bears uniforms are great, too. There, I said it. Okay. Uh, blue or white, by the way, which is better? I like the regular home jerseys or when they go with the all-white Milkmen road jerseys. Interesting. Okay. I just think of Walter Payton. That's why. That's totally fair. Yeah. All right. So we have the sixth best logo in the NHL tie between the Wild and the Kraken. Would you like to take another crack at the top <sighs> uh, logo in the league? I think that the five years ago it would have been the Hawks. I think that people have sort of soured on the Hawks for the political reasons. And there were a lot of people who rated them as the best and a lot of people who rated them as the as the worst. They yeah. actually posted a uh, breakdown of that, and that is why the Blackhawks are tied for 20th in the NHL in the fan vote. Yeah, so it, those votes are going to offset each other. I'm going to say go. Detroit. It is Detroit. It is the Detroit Red Wings. Number two. You will never guess in a million years what number two is. Okay. Since you say that, I'm going to say Carolina. The Carolina Hurricanes finished 27th. All right. How about Calgary? Calgary finished 14th. That's low, I think. I I do think that's low for Calgary. Real quick. Give me uh, me a conference. Western. Western conference. Okay. Second best is from the West. Actually... The second and third are from the West. Um, I'm probably miss, missing one really obvious. Um, I like Dallas. Do people like Dallas? I, I like the thirty first. Yeah, the logo sucks. The, the jer- thirty the, the jerseys are awesome. Yeah, the you know the logo sucks though. Um, Agreed. Right, I'm gonna take one more stab at it here and just I'm gonna give up. Vancouver. Vancouver twenty second. Right, tied give, with Edmonton for twenty second. Give it to me. Your top five are the Pittsburgh Penguins at number five, a tie for third between the Montreal Canadiens, which, duh, what a classic logo in Jersey that is. They tied with the San Jose Sharks for the third what? best logo in the NHL. Second best logo, a throwback because they went back to the Kachina, the Arizona Coyotes ranked as number two. This list is trash. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's no way that Arizona Coyotes have the set. This smacks of some like Coyotes account saying stuff the ballot box for the cut. No, that's not legit. Sorry. Uh, Any any list that has the Buffalo Sabres at number 18 is wrong. Um, I will say sorry. They're tied for 14th. There is a five way tie for 14th. The Sabres were tied with Calgary, Vegas, Winnipeg and New Jersey. Uh, I didn't really realize this at the time but then when i looked at this list and saw the rangers at number 11 i don't really like their logo that much no it's just kind of basic it's just a shield that says rangers on it yeah like i, mean, that, I saw the eh? same thing about the canadians i i love their uniforms but the logo is kind of like it's a c and an h yeah yeah but at least he doesn't actually say the word Canadians in it. If you have to have your team name in a logo, I think yes. it kind of defeats the purpose of a logo. I'm looking at you, New York Islanders and Florida Panthers. Accurate. I do like the Panthers um, uniforms, though, because they have like a soccer feel to them. That And that's what they went for. And I think they hit it with the crest and with everything. The bottom five okay. belong to the L.A. Kings. Correct. Terrible. The Columbus Blue Jackets. Also terrible. The Washington Capitals, another team that spelled their name out, by the way. Yeah. The Dallas Stars are second worst and the worst logo in the league, the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, I'm, I'm ducked out. They can just fold. Yeah, the Ducks, that, that's a bad logo. Sorry, guys. You had an excellent logo when you came into the league, and literally every time you've tried to improve upon it, you've messed it up. Just so. go back to the originals. Go back to the, like, the purple and teal. And stop with the orange and black and gold. Like, here's an idea. Pick nice colors that people like. Not black and beige and orange. No one wants that. And then the like the D of the the flipper. No. Go back to the <laughs> Disney duck. I don't care if you have to pay for it or whatever it's gonna take. They don't have to pay for it, it's on their shoulders. Okay, you're right. It is on her shoulders. There's some like ver- like some variants of it. It might not be the specific Disney one, but it's close. It is the mask. It is very distinguishable, obviously. Yeah. Go back to those. Or even if you don't want to do that and you're married to this damn D foot, just change the colors back. 
<laughs> who, like seriously, who looks at the aesthetic of the Anaheim Ducks and it's like, yeah, that's cool. Those are bad colors. It doesn't look good. I don't yeah. like teams that wear that wear too much black. I think I, it just, it's just I tend dull. to agree with that. I think the only exception I make to that is I really do like the San Jose Shark, uh, Sharks black alternate. I always thought that jersey looked cool. As an alternate, it's okay. But when my mind thinks like dark and ugly colors for your team, like that's just it's bad marketing. I don't know. I just I, I just don't like it. I don't like my the my final takeaway from this is I think I would like the top five better if they had found a spot for I'm going to blaspheme here. I'm really sorry. Oh, if they had found a place for the St. Louis Blues logo in the top five. Well, it's I mean, look, I don't it's a like really the, good logo. Yeah, I don't like the blues, but it's classic. Yeah. And if you got if you're putting them there, you got to put the Flyers there because it's basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> flyers 19th for some odd reason. <laughs> I mean, but see, like that's a team that is black and orange like Anaheim. But they use the orange, not the black. The black is the complementary color, not the main color. Yeah. Asses. All right. Let's get back to the um, let's talk. Sorry, about I derailed that a little bit, but I know that Jersey and logo talk is something that we always like to do for sure. Absolutely. Um, all right. So the Turner Sports uh, team has been announced. We already knew that Kenny Albert and Eddie Olchuk were there and we had some some leakings of other names, too. Uh, your other play-by-play <laughs> team, Brendan Burke and Darren Pang. Solid. I'll Solid. Take, I'll take yeah. that. I, I like Brendan Burke. It's good. Keith Jones will stumble into... I, I shouldn't say stumble. That implies he's drunk. I'm not trying to say that. He will take over the Pierre Maguire role at ice level. Uh, upgrade, because he's not Pierre. Yeah, Pierre working for the Ottawa Senators, right? Uh, yes, that's right. Yep. Okay. I Je- wanted to make sure I remembered what had happened to him. Jennifer Botterill, Jackie Redmond, and Tariq Al-Bashir will... Sweet. Yeah, that's a really good threesome right there. And then your studio analyst, Liam McHugh, who comes I over... I wonder what was going to happen to him. You know, every time I see uh, Chris Collinsworth's son, is it Jack Collinsworth? I'm just a smaller version of my dad, and he does a fine job, but, like, I feel bad for Liam McHugh. That dude grinds his ass off. Like, he works a lot... He does it with a smile. He's done some crappy things. He's gotten some good like Olympics and things like that, but I don't know. I, I feel like he gets the shaft a lot. Boy, um, they brought Maria. Speaking of Olympics, they had Maria Taylor covering Sunday Night Football. How about that? They had Come everyone. from ESPN and then instantly like, hey, go cover the Olympics. Hey, cover the NFL. Like, dang. <laughs> She's awesome. Good, I love Good Maria for Taylor. NBC yeah. recognizing that and just being like, hey, you know what? Go cover some stuff because you're really good. She's great. She's so great. smart. But- Smart idea. The Sunday night panel was like 700 people. I always think of the joke on uh, Naked Gun where it's like uh, Tim McCarver, Dr. Joyce Brothers, and there's like going through the 25 people in the booth. That's very Enrico much Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> know it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> That's very much how the Sunday night booth feels. Like when everyone made their pick before the game, all the names like wrapped up the side of the screen. All right. So Liam McHugh. Somebody named Wang Retsky. Never heard of him. No regrets. Anton Carter, who is talented, but a little bit raw. But I think with some flight miles and some proper training that he will get from Turner, he could be really, really good. Rick Tockett. I don't really have a thought on. Um, and Paul Bissonette from the obviously former NHL enforcer host of the spit and chicklets podcast. Um, he will definitely bring in a large audience, but I feel like. The people he's bringing in, the Spit and Chicklets audience, are probably already going to be watching hockey. That's not an unfair thing to say. But then again, who's is Wayne Gretzky the guy who kind of uh, is going to appeal to the uh, more casual fan? Is that fair to say? I don't know. Maybe. I, I think that just give him a good product and have interesting players, and you're going to do well. But I think, look, Bissonette is a guy with opinions. He's a guy who will say stuff. He's a guy with a ton of connections to players. So I think that his, his contribution will be good. We want the NHL to promote more personalities. Paul Bissonnette is definitely one of those. Uh, so I'm all for it, man. Give him some airtime, see what he can do. And maybe he's not, you know, the most polished broadcaster in the world, but if the content is good and the insight is good and, and you know, these guys are tight with all the players. Uh, I think his, like we talked about that with, like with Colby Cohen on the last podcast, like he knows all these Hawks players, his insights going to be invaluable. If you know how to listen, right. Uh, Bissonnette's going to have to be less careful than Colby Cohen's going to be 
and I think he's going to add a lot to the broadcast. So, well, obviously they're going to want him to kind of uh, be their version of Charles Barkley, most likely. By the way, Barkley really funny last night with Peyton and Eli Manning during the Monday Night Football broadcast. I really liked what he brought to the table with that. I forgot that, guy, that, that was guy happening. cracks me up. Yeah, I forgot that whole thing was happening, and I was watching the game, and then. Um, I saw like when the game ended, all the videos coming out from, I'm like, damn, I forgot. So next Monday, I'm going to be locked and loaded on the, uh, on the Manning brothers. Cause I think they're like Peyton Manning is funny as hell. He could easily be doing what Tony Romo is doing. I'm not honestly sure why he isn't. I don't know. I, I think you're right. He could do it. I wonder if he has the ability to dumb it down. Hmm. Cause I thought Drew Brees did okay on the Notre Dame game. Uh, he was a little bit inside, and I think they'll coach that out of him a little bit. But he's he was doing the Romo stuff too. Like this is a run to the left. Yep. <laughs> you know, like it's like, well, don't spoil the play. But you I know. didn't watch a ton of that game. I I wasn't uh, oh. sure how I was going to feel about it being on uh, Peacock. But I kind of get what NBC's doing. They're trying to really like kind of get people to pay attention to it. I just wish they made it a little bit easier to find and a little bit easier to know that there's stuff on there. They're really struggling that, with that this season with the uh, Premier League. So hopefully they can uh, clean that up a little bit. Yeah. I know I shouldn't say a bunch of stuff about NBC, but I think that's a I think that's fair and not overly mean. Just you know, keep getting it out there, man, and keep working on it. So. Well, it's, it's tough because there's so many streaming platforms, and they were a little bit late to the game. I mean, the stuff they have is good. Uh, I would like them to – I don't work for NBC, so I can say it. I'd like them to improve their navigation. Uh, I think it's a little bit tough and a little bit slow. Like, the responsiveness isn't great. And if It is gonna, on my cable box for sure, and that is something they've worked on, but they need to continue to work on it. And look, if you're going to pick a Notre Dame game to put on there to try to get some people to sign up – um, the Toledo one is one to put on there, but oh my God, it took everything Notre Dame had to beat Toledo. I was pulling my hair out. Did they, did they stay in the top 10 in the rankings? I didn't check today. No. You know what? Good. They no, they shouldn't. It. I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. Dude, Florida state lost to Jacksonville <laughs> yes. state and Notre and- Dame needed again, everything in the world that Notre Dame is number 12, by the way, uh, which okay. is still too high. And look, I am a lifelong Notre Dame meatball. Uh, they're not good. I'm sorry. I, I'm, they played like ass against Toledo. They had no business winning that game, and they barely beat Florida State, who we found out sucks. So can we? Can someone explain to me why Ohio State still ranked ahead of Penn State? I don't get that either. And why the hell is Cincinnati only number eight? They have crushed both the teams they played. You know what? There you go. That's your college football take. We need to get back to Turner. This is ridiculous. It's the Big House Michigan <laughs> Football Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think we covered Turner. I'm I'm optimistic about the crew. I'm optimistic about the coverage. I'm I'm just ready for something new, something fresh. And look, I don't think that NBC did a bad job. Nor do I. I think the issue was it didn't feel like a priority, and it didn't feel big. And I think when these games, especially when they're on ESPN, and they go from game to Sports Center, look ESPN will dictate the sports popularity and don't make no mistake when the NHL left ESPN, that's when the NHL's popularity and visibility dipped. Now mm-hmm. that they're back, their signal is going to be amplified. It's going to be because ESPN is going to say, look, we're putting this on for three hours a night, three times a week. We want people to watch it. We need people to be interested in this and they're going to promote it. They had no skin in the game to promote it when they didn't have a rights deal. Is that crappy? Yes. Is it the reality of the business? Also, yes. Now that they're back with ESPN, they're going to get the coverage they deserve, and I'm excited to see where it goes. It can only help. Yeah, agreed. Thousand percent agreed. All right, last thing I want to get to: um, your your Carolina Hurricanes, beloved, announced today that they are 100 percent vaccinated, which is great what news. Was, what was your first reaction when you saw that news? My first reaction was, "How did they dupe Tony D'Angelo?" <laughs> into getting vaccinated i feel awful because that was my exact reaction too <laughs> it wasn't oh awesome an nhl team is 100 percent vaccinated that's great it was how'd they how'd they fool uh tony d'angelo did they like put it in like a bowl of ice cream like they did to homer simpson <laughs> and he just stuck his face in it like yeah. no, no no tony this is a this is not a vaccine this is a horse dewormer this is this is what you need this is this is gonna really make you healthy oh or i think they were just like look over there and it's like bink plucked them in. 
Damn it! What the hell? Shiny object. Yeah, you know what? Good for them though, for real. Like that is awesome to see. It's our surest fire way of getting back to you know, some semblance of normalcy in this crazy world. And I'm glad that they're making a big deal out about, about it too. Like that is a huge thing to do to be like, Hey, by the way, every single one of the players of your favorite hockey team and every single one of the coaches are all vaccinated against COVID. That is, that's great, man. That's fantastic. And a great way to really kind of push the message that this vaccine is our surest fire way to get past all this shit. It's been so tough the last couple of weeks watching the COVID numbers go back up. It's just like so it feels so preventable and it's such a bummer. And I'm glad that there are teams like the Hurricanes that are doing this. The NHL policy, by the way, is very tough. Like, yeah, if you're unvaccinated in the NHL, it's it's not going to be a fun experience for you. No. And I know there's part of our audience that doesn't agree with us. And that's fine. I don't care. Um, it, It's just like just from a competitive standpoint, if that's all you care about, you don't care about protecting your neighbor. You don't care about unvaccinated kids who don't have the opportunity, like my daughter who can't get a vaccine and has to go to school every day. If you don't care about that, if you only care about wins and losses, this is going to keep your team healthier. It's going to keep guys, you know, uh, out of uh, the, whatever they're going to call it, the COVID list or whatever, and your team's going to be more competitive. So if it's purely selfish, that's a reason for the whole team to get vaccinated because it's going to keep them on the on the ice. Yep. And we all agree that when the Blackhawks are healthy, they're better than when they're not. <laughs> I don't think that can I don't think there's much argument uh, to be made right there. But you know what? You could argue with anything these days, can't you? Agreed. <laughs> all right, dude. Well, guess what? Next time we do a podcast, there will have been hockey played. Yes, it'll be a prospects camp. It'll be a prospect showcase, but it's something. It is literally cold steel on ice, and I cannot wait to watch it. Again, reminder, Friday at 7 p.m., Sunday at 1 p.m. on the Minnesota Wild YouTube channel. You can watch those games, so do that and enjoy, and we'll have thoughts on it next week on the next episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sins in Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.